0: which comes from Matthew chapter five, verses one through 12. And uh, we're gonna be doing that in the ESV. And again, there's Bibles um, uh, under your, your pews, but if you have uh, your own Bible or Bible app, you can use that as well. And we'll give you a chance to look that up because uh, we're gonna reference it throughout the, the message. Um, but again, it's Matthew chapter five, verses one through 12. And I'll be reading the scripture uh, for us, But It is our tradition to stand for the reading of God's word. So if you can do that as able, so please stand. Matthew chapter 5, verses 1 through 12. May the Lord bless the reading of God's word for us. Seeing the crowds, he went up on the mountain, and when he sat down, his disciples came to him. And he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. You may be seated. Well, friends, we are getting into a new sermon series for the year. It is called Life Period. And as it says in in Scripture, uh, John 10, 10, Jesus says, I have come to give them life and and to give them life abundantly. And, and so that's what we're talking about uh, just throughout the, 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 well, the year. I'm not exactly sure how long it's going to take, but we have a lot of stuff to talk about. I mean, literally, you could be talking about life until the day you don't have it anymore, right? <laughs> Makes sense. There's so much stuff that goes into it. And this promise that Jesus says, I have come to give you life, but not just any kind of life, but abundant life, overflowing life, the best life. And we want to figure out how to do that. And so today's message is all about figuring out who is invited to that life, right? Who is this life for? Um, Have you ever not been invited to something? I have figured out that this is a pretty universal experience and it's a universally horrifying experience. Um, As I often do when I'm preparing a message, if they, like I have an idea or there's some concept I'll, I'll look up memes just to, I, I don't know, just to entertain myself, and sometimes I'll, I'll use them. And man, there are so many memes when it comes to not being invited. You know, uh, it's, There's a lot of things where I'm like really, really looking for memes, but th- this one I really didn't have to, because the, they were just there, there's so many. And so I just wanted to show you a couple. So this is one, um, the awkward moment when your friend mentions a party you weren't invited to. I know that feeling, I don't know if you, if you have, uh, but it, a lot of the memes have to do with awkwardness. Or, how about this? How I feel when not invited? Um, yeah, it's a pretty horrible feeling. And, you know, for me, uh, you know, the, the suave pastor that you see in front of you, the, the good looking and athletic and muscular guy that you see, you might find this hard to believe, but <laughs> I wasn't always like the popular kid. I was not the popular kid growing up. Um, if there were like a time machine and someone wanted to torture me, the way you would do that is by making me relive middle school over and over. It was a horrible time for me. I don't know about about y'all, maybe it was a different time. High school wasn't that much better to be honest. You know, especially in junior high, uh, the kids that I thought were my friends um, would laugh at me. And not laugh with me, I, I, I mean like literally laugh at me. And I thought they were my friends, right? And so I constantly had this feeling of, of not belonging, you know, and there were many times where they would be hanging out and I hear them talking about like, you know, going to the mall, I'm like, hey guys, what are you talking about? And nothing. <laughs> I thought they were my friends, right? And so I gotta tell you, I, I had this thing about not being invited to stuff and even to this day, uh, you know, if I'm not invited, like, I won't go. You know, there are times with LGM, um, You know, this is going to sound kind of funny, and I'm not meaning to give anyone a complex. Uh, Any of the leaders, like, don't, seriously, just, this is a sermon illustration, so don't worry. But oftentimes, I don't get invited to LGM things. You know why? Because I'm the pastor, right? (laughs) They're like, well, you know, you're just going to come, right, if you want to. But there have been some, a few times where it's like, you know, there's something, like a barbecue or something, and, you know, someone will be like, oh, Pastor Steve, are you coming to the barbecue? You can come. And I would just kind of be like, well, I wasn't invited, nonskitting. I won't say that out <laughs> loud. <long. laughs> but you know, it's one of these things, when you're not explicitly invited, sometimes we wonder. Maybe they don't want us there. And so there are many things in life where maybe people didn't tell you outright. No one went to your face and was like, You're not invited to my birthday party, right? We're not six anymore. You know? But sometimes we suspect. Maybe I'm not supposed to be there. Maybe they didn't want me there, right? And that's going to be a little bit what we're talking about today. Because when it comes to Christian life, I know we often say, like, you're all invited. Everyone is welcome. But do we really feel welcome? Do we really feel that we are all invited to the party? And so related to that is the concept of being blessed. That's what Jesus is going to be talking about. It is one of his first public addresses that we have seen in Scripture right? We're actually going to see his very first public address, but his first like kind of sermon, right? Uh, He starts off by talking about who is blessed, right? I'm going to sort of try to convince you in some ways. It's like, who's invited to the kingdom? Who's invited to this kingdom party, you know? And so again, you know, when I was uh, doing research for the sermon and just, you know, wasting time, I looked, I did like a Google image search because I looked up memes and I couldn't find that many for being blessed. Um, but I found a lot of images. And I gotta tell you, there were so many. I, I didn't have to look far when I just looked up blessed person. And most of them look like this, right? So if you can't see this image very well, there's like a woman like worshiping. There's a dude who like, like he, he looks like he's either worshiping or praying. There's somebody with a Bible in hand, right? And the cross is there, right? It's like that person who, their profile picture, there's a cross and a Bible, right? It's just in your face. There's someone praying. And all of these things, they're not bad, right? I, like, I've definitely done all these things. I'm a pastor, right? Like, for sure, you know? But is this normally who you think of as a blessed person? And by the way, um, well, it just so happens. I, I think it's just the stock image stuff. But they're all, like, kind of, like, young and good-looking people. <laughs> you know, I, I can't tell from the person who's, like, walking towards a cross. But I'm assuming <laughs> But, uh, yeah, you know, what what do you think of, when you close your eyes and you think, who is a blessed person? Who's the kind of person that Jesus would want to hang out with? Who's the kind of person that Jesus would call for ministry? Who's the kind of person that God would want to welcome into the kingdom, into the party? What do they look like? Do they look like this? It's an interesting question, a question that... um, I found in a book uh, called The Divine Conspiracy, for those of you who may know, Dallas Willard is one of my favorite authors, and this is one of my favorite books. It's not an easy book to read, but I want to tell you some of the insights we're going to be sharing come from this book, and Dallas Willard talks about who are blessed people, and in this uh, Matthew 5 that we read today, um, it's often called the Beatitudes, attitudes. And so some of us may be thinking, what is a B attitude? I'm going to explain that to you in a moment. But it starts with, blessed are the blank. Who is blessed? And Dallas Willard had a very interesting take on the first one. This is what he put, uh, a paraphrase for the first blessed. Blessed are the spiritual zeros, the spiritually bankrupt, deprived and deficient, the spiritual beggars, Those without a wisp of religion, when the kingdom of the heavens comes upon them. Well, you probably know it better as blessed are the poor in spirit. But this is the way that he defines poor in spirit. Does that sound shocking to you? Blessed are the spiritual zeros? Blessed are those who are deprived and deficient, who are spiritual beggars without a wisp of religion? That doesn't sound right. Does it sound like these these people... Right? That doesn't sound right. And so friends, you know, one of the things that we're going to be talking about today that is very confusing is even the word beatitude. It doesn't appear in the scripture, but that's what we've called it. Because it just literally means a state of blessing or bliss. Because the word that's used for blessed, makarios, also means happy, right? So sometimes you'll see the translation is happy are the poor in spirit, right? Happy are the meek, and, and so on. And so it is a state of blessing. But it is not, it is not a be attitude, right? It's more like, like think like beauty, right? It's, it's, it's a state of blessing, right? But I've heard so many pastors, you know, and, and I thought this for the longest time too, that uh, it was an attitude that you were supposed to be, right? A be attitude. You should be poor in spirits. And if you're not poor in spirit, you better get poor in spirit. If you're not meek, you better become meek, right? And that's the way we normally think of it. But, you know, some of the things that, that, that maybe you've already heard, right? Like the, the thing about blessed are the spiritual zeros, might be a hint that it actually means something a little bit different. It's not an attitude that you're supposed to have, right? It's not anything desirable, to be honest. Uh, Paul Simon had this song of uh, Simon and Garfunkel, he had this song called Blessed. And and he was kind of like talking about the Beatitudes. And so this is how he put it. Blessed are the sat upon, spat upon, ratted on. Again, things that I don't think many of us would want, right? So the Beatitudes aren't necessarily a list of great characteristics that we're all supposed to take on. And so to kind of talk about what it really is, we gotta talk about the context a little bit. So from the very beginning, you see Jesus He he sees crowds, crowds that are coming. And we're going to talk about that in a moment, where these crowds are coming from. But he goes up on a mountain, and the the Greek word for mountain can be hill or mountain. And so mountain is probably too grand a way to put it because it just doesn't make sense. If there's all these crowds, and he goes way up on a mountain, they're not going to be able to hear him. So it's probably just kind of like an elevated hill, right? Because there were so many people coming to listen. And so Jesus is there with them, and he sits down, and his disciples came as well. And, and so he's got disciples, people who have decided to, to, you know, give up stuff to follow Jesus, and then there are just crowds of people. And so he opens his mouth and he says, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Now, why do we always try to turn this into a good thing? Like, like we, we, we often think that, you know, who is a blessed person? We have an image, like we showed you in the pictures, right? And so we're always trying to turn this into a good thing. But you got to think about what Jesus' primary mission was all about, right? Was it to create a kingdom that was so aloof? Like, yeah, maybe some of us would think that he would be high up on a mountain and that you would have to approach him like the great moral teacher And you would have to go through all these trials and tribulations and show how serious you are to get up to the top, right? But that actually ain't Jesus. That's not his ministry. And so what we see right before this, I want to show you the the passage that came uh, in Matthew 4, right before the Beatitudes, right before he sits down to talk to all these people. Where do they come from? So we are told that Jesus's ministry, and this is uh, uh, quoting from the Old Testament, prophesying about Jesus's ministry, It says, the people dwelling in darkness have seen a great light. For those dwelling in the region and shadow of death, on them a light has dawned. Jesus is coming to shine light in the darkness. He has come to people in the dark. He's not coming to people in the light. You guys see that? He's coming to those in the darkness. And it says, from that time, Jesus began to preach, saying, repent for the kingdom of heaven is is at hand. The kingdom of heaven, it it sounds like something that's like way up in the clouds, right? Um, Actually, the word heaven there, it's heavens. And Dallas Willard makes the point that the the, uh, biblical worldview back then was that there were many different heavens, right? You ever hear seventh heaven? What does that mean? That means that there's a lot of different levels, right? So the first heaven is what? Right here it's like literally the air that's just above the ground, right? So when it talks about the kingdom of the heavens, it doesn't mean um, the the kingdom that's up in the sky only, right? Or like in the realm of God, the place where you go when you die only, right? It it means that the kingdom is supposed to be everywhere. Like the kingdom is as close as the air you breathe, and that is Jesus's central message, right? Because by the way, There were many people, many Jewish people who believed in the kingdom of God. That wasn't new. For Jesus to announce the kingdom of God wasn't new. What was new is to say the kingdom of God has arrived. This is a a, a kind of cute way of saying it. The kingdom of God is at hand. That's not what it says. It says it has arrived, right? But even if you take that, the kingdom of God is at hand. What does that mean? Where's my hand? My hand is right here. Jesus didn't come to pull us into heaven. He came down to earth to be with us. He didn't say, you know, you better clean up your act and come into the light. He came into the darkness, right? You guys get that? So that is Jesus's ministry. He's come to be with ordinary, messed up people. And we see that all throughout Galilee. He's teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction among the people. Now, you have to understand that in that time to be sick, it wasn't just an illness like, "Uh, uh, hey, you know, go to the doctor and get better. But people who were sick, I mean, you didn't know what they had. They could have a disease that you couldn't be cured of, right? In fact, there were like people like lepers who had these terrible skin diseases, and they would completely kick you out of the community so that no one else would get infected. COVID-19, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if there's a parallel there. But sickness was thought of something that would separate you, something that would make you dirty and unclean. And Jesus is going into the crowds and touching them. That's his ministry. right? You've got to keep that in mind. Because these are the people, the very next verse is right where we pick up, right? Oh, oh, sorry. And it says, so his fame spread throughout all Syria. And they brought him all the sick, those afflicted with various diseases and pains, those oppressed by demons, those having seizures and paralytics. And he healed them. And great crowds followed him from Galilee and the Decapolis and from Jerusalem and Judea and from beyond the Jordan. So let me ask you, friends, if, when you imagine that group of people, sick people, Ordinary people, poor people, common people. Do you think they look like this? Are they all cleaned up? Right? Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Just like like you hear this, and it's just right in front of your face, but the church has never listened to this. Never. Never. In fact, what we always try to do is we try to take the Beatitudes and we try to clean them up. We try to make them something nice. Some of the translations in the Bible actually say, blessed are those who know that they are poor in spirit. It's a mistranslation. It does not say that. It doesn't say that that they know because what they're trying to say is that blessed are people who are humble, right? Whether or not you are poor in spirit, you can see that you're poor in spirit. Well, Well, compared to God, I guess I am poor in spirit, so I'm kind of a humble person, right? But this idea of spiritual poverty, there are people who would have heard this and they would have been shocked. This was not religion the way it was done. The way religion was done was we've got laws that a holy, righteous, angry, wrathful God has given you. And if you don't follow them, you don't belong. You've got to clean up your act and then come to God. Right? A lot of the people that Jesus was talking to, they already had religion. They had already heard that message that they were supposed to clean up their lives. Right? And so for them to hear, blessed are the spiritually bankrupt, completely mind-blowing. Right? Now, friends, you're going to see in this, it's, some of you are not poor in spirit, by the way. Right? Not in this sense. Right? Some of you grew up in the church. I mean, I grew up in the church too, you know? And, and it, 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 you might be thinking like, okay, so is Jesus saying that if I'm not spiritually bankrupt, then I'm not blessed? No, by no means. You have to understand, there's all these people coming, and there's people around him. And it's almost like Jesus was looking in the crowd, and he could see into their hearts and souls, and he knew who they were. And he looked at them. He looked at a spiritually destitute person. And he said, blessed are the poor spirits. Blessed are the meek, right? Because by the way, if you look in other passages, like there's Luke, right? Which it may have been a different sermon. It may have been a sermon that he's preached many times before. But in the Luke version, do you know what he says? He says, blessed are the poor, full stop. He doesn't say blessed are the poor in spirit, right? So he looks around and he sees some people who are obviously poor, right? I mean, they look like it, they smell like it, right? And he looks at them and he knows and he says, blessed are the poor. Why doesn't he say blessed are the rich? Is it because the rich aren't blessed? Well, friends, it's like going to a gym and saying, um, you are a really fit person to someone who's got like six-pack abs, right? And somebody who is like obviously just shredded, right? And, and you know, like, like, I don't know, he's on the Michigan football team or something. You know, you look at him and he's a physical specimen and you're like, you're a really healthy person. Well, of course, right? Nobody needs to tell you that. Nobody needed to hear that the rich were blessed. Everyone already knew that. Everyone assumed that, right? To somebody who had like all the religion in the world could follow the law perfectly. To say they were blessed was a no-brainer, right? But Jesus was saying something radical. He's looking at these people who have never, for a second in their lives, felt blessed. Everyone in their society, including the priests, including the religious leaders, looked at them and they're like, you are not blessed, right? And he says, you are blessed. Blessed are you. I mean, friends, let's keep on going in this list. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. It doesn't mean go and find someone in your life who's dead, right? It's just that there are people who are mourned. They already exist. And so if you are mourning, of course we feel blessed when no one in your life is sick or dead or dying, right? But to those who are weeping, Jesus says, I have come to bring you good news. Blessed are those who mourn, for you shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. I mean, this is one that we still don't believe, even in the church, right? That the meek, the ones who don't speak up, right? The ones who, like, when they talk, you're like, wait, wait, what did you say? Or, or, like, they can't even make eye contact because they're so shy. Most of us, we don't think of them as being blessed. We don't pick them to be our leaders, right? But he says, blessed are the meek, for you're going to own everything. What? 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 That's not usually what we think. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Do You ever see people who hunger and thirst for righteousness? Do you ever see like, I mean, there's a lot of people who are like really concerned about justice nowadays, right? The word righteousness, dikei yusune, is the word that is often translated as justice, having things right in this world. They are the people who look at the world and they're just always angry, right? and they're always posting about it, right? And they're like, this is messed up, this is unjust. And they're always talking about their latest social justice you know, kick and all these different things and they are never satisfied, right? But Jesus says, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Doesn't it feel like when you're merciful that you get taken advantage of? right? When you're merciful, that's what we always worry about, right? Like, someone's going to, like, take me as a sucker. Someone is going to take me for all I'm worth. Or if I'm merciful, right? Like, I never get it back. I never get reciprocated. Nice people always feel this way, right? But it says, blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, the innocent. Do you ever meet someone in college, and they're just really innocent, Right? And you're like, oh, that's so sweet. But you like kind of feel sorry for them a little bit. Like, man, you just don't know, right? Blessed are the innocents, the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Again, this sounds like a good thing, and I'm not saying it's a bad thing. The point of the Beatitudes is not to say that these are necessarily bad things. It's just inclusive. There were probably people following Jesus thinking, you know what? I wonder if he's the Messiah. I wonder if we're going to come and we're going to overturn the Roman authority, right? But friends, you probably will see peacemakers in our society. Like seriously, think of the peacemakers, Gandhi, Martin Luther King Jr., what do they all have in common? They were killed. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons and daughters of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. So it's talking about those who, who are mistreated. Blessed are, are like the, the, the sat upon, spat upon, ratted on, right? Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. So, friends, uh, You know, you might hear a message like this and to think like, okay, so Pastor Steve, I know you're saying that these people are blessed. But how? How can these people possibly be blessed? Jesus is saying they are blessed because you have a seat at the table. You are absolutely invited to the kingdom. And Jesus proved this time and time again. He didn't invite the most powerful. By the way, he did invite the powerful sometimes. Like when the powerful invited him, he would go. You know, when a Pharisee or religious leader was like, hey, come eat at my house. Jesus wasn't like, blessed are the poor, right? He, he was like, mm, no, right? He went and ate with that, right? So it's, the, the point isn't to somehow elevate the poor or elevate those who are in a low state. It's just those people, they need to be elevated. Right? If you're in that state, you know, go back to thinking about who is a blessed person. Do they look like you? Do you think of yourself as being a blessed person? Do you think of yourself as being someone that God can use? Or maybe you have been told or you have ingested that this, this lie that there's something wrong with you. That there's something that disqualifies you from being with God, right? And by the way, the movement of God, the movement of the kingdom started with these lowly people. In many cases, they're the only ones who wanted to listen because the powerful had all they wanted. Why would they, you know, come to a new thing, right? Why would they do something where they lost all their power? Mm -mm. Powerful didn't want to do that. So only the powerless would come to Jesus. And so it was a kingdom, it was a following of all of these kinds of people. But as Christianity became more respectable, what happened? Now it's the powerful, right? Now everyone gets cleaned up. Now when you come to church, we we all feel like we have to talk a certain way. We have to dress a certain way. We, We have to know enough of the Bible or whatever. There are times where I talk to people and I'm literally talking to them the first time and I feel like they're auditioning for something. You know, they're like, Pastor Steve, as it says in Matthew chapter 7, I'm like, it doesn't matter to me whether you know what it says in Matthew chapter 7. That's not the requirement, right? I mean, it's literally, do you have a need? Do you desire to come to Jesus? Because all of these people did. They were sick. They were tired. They were weary. They were oppressed by religion. There was all these people who were I mean, they they were the dregs of society. And the only thing they had was their desperate need. That's all you need to have, right? And the kingdom is open and available to you. Now, some of us, we like to jump ahead and we're like, yeah, but Pastor Steve, what about sin? What about sin? Yeah, Jesus is the light of the world. You know what happens to darkness in the light? Darkness just goes away. It can't stand for long. Right? And Jesus knew that. And this is one of the reasons why it was so incomprehensible for a lot of people, for a lot of the, the people who knew the Hebrew Bible, for a lot of the Jewish people, to think of a God becoming a human being and slumming it with sinners. Right? Because to them, holiness just burns up sin. But the crazy thing about Jesus is when he comes to us, The only thing that burns up is your sin. You don't burn up, right? You get purified, you get cleansed. And the the end result is supposed to be this. You are the salt of the earth. But if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand. And it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Jesus wants those who are in darkness to come to him and be illuminated by the light. And we become like little lights, right? You are supposed to be the light of the world. You know who the one true light of the world is? Jesus. So what happens? When we come to him, we catch some of his light, don't we? We start becoming like the light ourselves too. And then we can go shine in the darkness too, right? We're not supposed to go out there and be like, you know what, I'm better than you now. Right? You, you little sinners over there. I got cleaned up. That's what Christians have done so, so many times. Right? Like, oh, we don't want you to come into our nice clean church and making everything dirty. No, we've totally missed the point, right? Jesus have come, has come for sinners just like you and me. Maybe some of you have been in the church before, and you kind of felt like you had to hide. I want to tell you, your pastor is somebody who is not a perfect person. You do not need to hide. You don't need to hide in the presence of God. You certainly don't need to hide in front of me, because friends, I'm a sinner. There, there was a, a, so you know, just to tell you a little bit about myself, I can't get into the whole story. I mean, that, it, it could just take so long, right? But you know, growing up, I, I've come to realize now, you know, years later, that I probably was clinically depressed for most of my adult life, if not most of my adolescence too. You know, I, I've had panic attacks. I've seen counselors on three separate occasions. When I was in seminary, I had a drinking problem. True story. And I hid it. And I wasn't like the seminary student, like, oh, I'm still exploring faith. You know, it's okay, guys. I was a youth pastor at the same time serving at a local Korean church in Maryland, you know? And I would like after church, right, like at night, I would not just get like, you know, a little tipsy. I would get so drunk sometimes I would black out. I was in a lot of pain back then. And I felt so much guilt. I would come to church and I would be the perfect Pastor Steve Hey, everybody, it's me, Pastor Steve, right? Hi, guys. And I would get in my car after church, and I would be so exhausted because pretending was such hard work. And that just made me more depressed because I'm like, I am a fraud. I'm like the worst pastor who ever lived. And it came to a point where I realized there's one night I went to church because I was going to fail out of one of my classes. Like, literally going to fail out of one of my classes. And I went to church, and I'm like, I don't even know what's going on anymore. I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know who I am. I'm such a fraud. And I came before God, and, and I, I wrote down all of these things that I hated about myself. It's like, God, do you love me? Do you really love me with all of this? All of this stuff, it was front and back. There's a lot of stuff I hated about myself. And I just heard one word. There's very few times, guys. In my life, where I've heard God's voice like an audible voice. It's usually like an impression, right? But this is one of those times. It was like an audible voice in my heart. And it was one word, and it was yes. Yes. Yes, I love you. I'm not done with you. I can use you. You're not useless, you're not worthless, you're not disqualified. I can still use you. And after that, yeah, there were some things that I needed to do. I I went into counseling for the first time after that. I had to confront some of my teachers. I even confronted uh, my senior pastor who was an ex-Korean Marine. And I went to this dude and I was like, "Uh, Pastor Lee, I have to tell you something. And I told him all of this stuff and he just was like, "Mm." (laughs) hmm. And I said, okay, so Pastor Lee, I'm feeling really convicted that God wants me to share with the church. By the way, I was a youth pastor. Like, we're talking like 11-year-olds, right? And he just went, "Mm, okay, good. mm, mm." And that means like, okay, go ahead, you know. And I was like, his his English wasn't like the greatest, so I was like, maybe he didn't understand, but okay, good enough, right? And I did that. I didn't get fired. In fact, something really crazy happened in our church. That, that I shared this one night. It was like a praise night. And I got up there, and I was like, guys, this is what's been going on. This is the real me. And I said, some of y'all, you've been hiding too, so i want to give you a chance. I want to give you a chance to share right now. And these kids just started coming up, and man, I cannot tell you the broken stories. Right? One kid whose dad had, had um, just died from cancer like, like a year before, and he told us about the time that his dad died. He walked outside of the hospital. He had a cigarette in his hand. He looked at the sky and he said, "Blank you, God, but he didn't say blank. Again, 11 year olds, right? It's like, I was like, oh, this is good, but oh. He just said the F word, like, like wow, you know, and just all these kids started sharing this stuff. Another kid who's, uh, uh, his dad had been in this terrible accident and um, he, he, he was paralyzed uh, from the neck down. And his dad hadn't been to church in months because he was so embarrassed to come to church. He didn't want anyone to see him like that. And that this kid, this youth group kid had been carrying this. right? And just like there were two things that, that kind of like was the predominant sentiment. For one, everyone was crying, right? Every single person was crying. But there, there were so many people who were like, okay, number one, we had no idea. We had no idea other people were going through that. And by the way, not everyone had a crazy story. It, it, the point isn't that you have to have a crazy story, right? The point is that even if you did have a crazy story, you would be accepted. And someone else said, why don't we do this more often? Why don't we do this more often? And that is a question that has stuck with me and has changed the way I've done ministry ever since. And so I come up and I share with you that I'm not a perfect person. And if you're not a perfect person, you have a seat at this table. You are absolutely welcome here, right? If you're into the party scene, friends, and maybe last night you did some things that you're like, oh, Pastor Steve can't know about that, blessed you are blessed there's some of you who are struggling with your identity you're struggling with your self worth some of you might be depressed some of you might have anxiety some of you might be struggling with mental illness blessed you are blessed some of you have never done the church thing before you don't even know if this is for you blessed you are blessed God's answer to you if you were to ask him you love me, it would be yes, 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 yes. yes. Friends, I, I want to just take a moment to go into the time of communion, because it's so fitting. On the night that Jesus was betrayed, um, he had one last meal with his friends. And by the way, some of his friends, I mean, <laughs> kind of like my friends in middle school, um, they weren't always his friends. They didn't always act like friends. They betrayed him, right? They, they, they left his side when he needed it most. And yet, he shared with them this meal, and he said, this is my body which is broken for you. Jesus was saying, I sacrifice myself for you. This is my blood which is shed for you, the blood of the new covenant, which is shed for the forgiveness of many sins. And so, friends, um, we have taken up these elements to remember all that Jesus has done for us. And I'm going to explain in a moment how we're going to do communion, but I want you to know that this is for you. In the United Methodist Church, uh, which we are a part of, we believe in open communion because we believe that it's not your worthiness that earns you a right to come to this table. It is the grace of Jesus Christ. He's paid for it with his blood. And so you are all absolutely welcome to come to this table. I want to pray for the elements that they come can become to us symbolically the body.